Welcome to another podcast episode of DIY Guitar Making. I also produce video episodes of DIY Guitar Making live in the workshop. To find both the podcasts and the videos all in one place, go to DIYGuitarMaking.com. You can even subscribe to the email list there to receive new episodes, both the videos and the podcasts, directly in your inbox as they come out. Again, that's DIYGuitarMaking.com. All right, and boom, just like that, we are live-ish. It's a recording, so it's not really live. Oh, let me turn my light on. Hold on, guys. Here we go. All right, now we are podcasting. We're doing a Q&A. Um, it is actually the end of one of my class days. This is day four of my acoustic guitar build workshop. Two guys are out here, Jerry and Steven, and they are building two uh, orchestra model instruments, which I have right next to me right now. And so before we get into Q&A, I can just show you guys a little bit what the guitars look like about halfway into the build here. So we've got a rosewood, rosewood back and sides, Sitka spruce top, and you can see these guys are doing really clean work here. So this looks great. So we are at the stage. We are ready. Here's the neck. Um, we are ready to do the mortise and tenon. That's what we're going to be starting off with tomorrow. And so that's pretty cool. Um, I could show you the other guy's guitar, but I mean, it looks the same as this. So they're both doing really clean work. There's been no mi notable mistakes so far. So that's pretty great. Nothing really to clean up, at least nothing major. Anyway, so that's all good fun. Uh, we'll just get right into the Q&A here. We'll go into the Discord. I'm doing this totally blind, by the way. Uh, I usually kind of peruse through the Discord and the YouTube comments before I start, but um, I'm not even really doing that today. So let's see what we got. Okay, we have a response on nut compensation. So Tony D, in a previous Q&A, I answered his question about nut compensation. Uh, basically, I just described my understanding of nut compensation. It's not something I do to my guitars, but I have some understanding of what the process is and what a compensated nut means. And so Tony D responded with, thank you, Eric, for addressing nut compensation in your Q&A. The reason I asked was because I incorporated it into my first guitar I built. Having measured the intonation with an accurate tuner and compared it with uncompensated guitars, I reckon I have an optimized system. I shortened the fretboard at the nut end by 0.8 millimeters. When working out saddle compensation, I use the Stumac calculator putting in the scale length as 1.6 millimeters shorter. When you consider the distance between fret one and the nut, 0.8 millimeters seems quite a large number, but it's the distance between fret one and the saddle that's important. So 0.8 millimeters is actually a small number. I would urge you to try this on the next guitar you build. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know what it did? Um, whenever people ask questions about certain nitty-gritty topics like this, it does actually, uh, unfortunately, inspire me to try these things. And I say unfortunately because there's so many different things 
you can try and do on a guitar that sometimes I end up trying too many things and that can kind of drive you nuts sometimes when you're you know you it's already taking you several months to get through a build and uh, you just keep adding new elements to it but hey I might give that a shot and Lamar's guitars also added something here to the thread and he always has interesting stuff to say so let's read that he writes here's some industrial strength nut compensation for you people will often use a pencil dowel etc as a nut elevator when they play slide of course that makes it where you can't fret the notes i experimented with a 125 thousandths of an inch dowel which was probably more like 110 thousandths of an inch by the time the string bit into it that elevated the strings enough to comfortably play slide but still fret a few notes of course fretting a note on strings that high makes it go sharp so I angled it so that each fret is a bit flat by position, making up for the sharpness you get in fretting. I was able to find an angle that made fretted notes pretty close to being in tune below the fifth fret. I took a piece of hardwood, 125 thousandths of an inch thick, cut to the necessary slant, and filed small notches for the strings with some back angle to make sure the leading edge is the break point. You could use acrylic, bone, etc., whatever scraps are lying around. Then he also writes, above the fifth fret, the notes start to go a bit flat, but you can bend into that, and most fretted notes in the middle of a slide part pass by quickly, so that attention isn't drawn to them if they're just a little off. Okay, I understand what he's saying. So let me read that again. And most fretted notes in the middle of a slide part, so um, part of a piece of music or composition, I guess, I guess is what he means. They pass by quickly so that attention isn't drawn to them if the note, you know, is wavering a little bit or is a little flat or something like that. Um, I understand that. Okay, the exact angle would depend on things like string gauge, scale length, etc., but it's a pretty functional cheater. And then he's got a picture there to um, add some clarity to what he's describing. Okay, that's actually really cool. <laughs> I, yeah, that's yeah, not something uh, I've ever experimented with, but I, I really like that. And Tony D responded, that's quite heavy nut compensation, a bit more than I am comfortable with, but your method is certainly good for finding the optimum. I like it. Yeah, that's cool. I think there's a, a lot of value you can get playing around with that, you know, just to determine um, what's right for you. Okay. Brian Bullard writes, if you had a choice, what would you buy first, a planer or jointer? I already have a drum sander. Okay. Uh, Patrick then writes, I'd go for the jointer. I don't have a planer and don't really miss it. That's funny because I would say the exact opposite. Well, I have both. I have a planer and I have a jointer. I hardly ever use the jointer. I do use it sometimes, but if I didn't have the jointer, it eh, wouldn't be that big of a deal. Half the time if I'm trying to square up stock, I don't even use the jointer. So I would go with the planer, but honestly, that that doesn't mean that I'm right and Patrick's wrong. It's just my experience has been th that the planer really is a, a workhorse in my shop. I use it for so much and uh, the jointer not so much. So it really is a very personal uh, decision there. LC Guitars writes, a jointer makes boards flat and square. A planer makes them the same thickness, 
but doesn't make them flat and square. If you're good with a hand plane, you can make the board flat and square and then use the planer to thickness. Exactly. So he really said that better than I could have. That's exactly why I could do without the jointer because I don't mind using the, my shooting board or even just putting the board in a vise and by hand um, and by eye using hand planes to square up my stock. Squaring up my stock is, is not difficult for me, so I truly just need the planer then to thickness it because thicknessing is uh, a bear of a task, let's say. It takes a lot <laughs> uh, if you're doing it by hand. Let's see. Oh, okay. Patrick writes, Stu Mac just posted that they will be selling a side bender. I hope they add more of the tools that only LMI carried. Yeah, I heard about this too. I didn't know if it was true. So that's great to hear that Stu Mac posted it. Someone's got to, obviously has to pick up some of the slack now that we're losing LMI. And uh, side bending machines uh, were basically one of those things that uh, most people were getting them from LMI. So it's good to see Stu Mac is doing that too. There are other places, by the way, that sell side bending machines. I believe Blues Creek Guitars sell side bending machines. Uh, and I'm sure there's other places as well. So you don't have to go to Stu Mac. All right, Patrick writes, second guitar, lots of firsts. And then he has a list of things that this is the first time doing. First time building from scratch, first time neck from scratch, headstock design, making a volute, bridge design, gluing bridge using vacuum clamp, cutting saddle slot, laminated sides, using a vacuum bag, gluing top and back plates together, using reverse kerfing, cutting neck mortise and tenon, vine fingerboard inlay, using gold fret wire, extra deep body, making leopard wood binding, gluing purfling the binding, bending sides using a side bender, bending binding using a side bender, cutting rosette in the top, cutting a nut from scratch, and binding a fretboard. And this is that guitar that um, I showed on the show earlier that really just looks fantastic. I think it's got a really classy look to it, and I really like uh, the vine inlay and the, the design for his headstock and his bridge. I think it just works. It's a really cool top, too, that he has there. So I'll throw this up on the screen, the picture of that guitar. Uh, that's pretty cool. A lot of firsts there. Congratulations. Okay. Um, I know we had a lot more in here. You know what? I didn't do a question of the week, but actually what the question of the week basically is this week, um, although it's not officially listed as the question of the week, is um, what should I do next? That's kind of what I put out there to the universe. I was asking you guys hey, I'm, I don't really have any plans yet for what I'm even doing next with my next build. So I wanted to kick it out to the world and see what you guys say about that. And I got a lot of responses. Let me see if I can find them in here. Okay, yeah, Brian Bullard. Hey, Eric, in response to your last video, you posed a question about your next build. How about a classical, very different from your traditional builds with very different bracing patterns? Think about it. <laughs> Uh, I just don't want to. And I mean, actually, I shouldn't say that. I would, I would very much enjoy a classical, and I would consider that. Um, there's a lot of friction mentally for me to get into a classical build because they're so 
truly different from a steel string build. Um, I would definitely want to do it in the traditional style of using a Solera board instead of molds. And so there would be a lot of rejigging, you know? Uh, there'd be a lot of, um, it would take an extremely large amount of time compared to anything else I might get invested in right now. Uh, just because of the investment in new jigs and tools and stuff in order to do things a little bit differently. But hey, I'm not writing it off. I, I will actually think about it, but let's see what other people are saying too. Um, if you want, to, Patrick writes, if you want to do something completely different, and he, in parentheses, he writes Monty Python, because, you know, that's the, of course, the Monty Python line there. Um, for something completely different. He says, make a harp guitar. Uh, again, that's uh, maybe a little too much for me to bite off right now. But honestly, um, American Luthery, the, the sort of trade magazine that the Guild of American Luthiers puts out, put out a uh, recent edition of American Luthery that was specifically just a collection of all the articles that it has received in the past about harp guitars, and I've been reading that lately, and so honestly, I don't know, maybe, that they are very interesting. Um, but that would be a pretty epic, that would be a pretty epic thing to make, make some uh, full build videos for, actually. So there is something to that. Okay, um, and I know there's more responses here, but Patrick is asking, what's the best way to store wood? Should I sticker it or just stack it up? Sticker it. Uh, it kind of depends on what it is. Really, it depends on how thin your stock is. The really thin stuff, which with guitars, a lot of it is really thin. So your back and side plates, your tops, all of that, you know, your book matched pairs, definitely sticker those. Don't just slap them on top of each other. You need air to be able to get to both sides. Now this is a, a finished body here, so maybe holding this up isn't a good example. But we want air to get on both sides of the plates uh, and not just the side that is exposed on one face. So that we have even hygroscopic exchange on both faces. That's what leads to cupping is the fact that you have moisture escaping on one face and not on the other. So let the air get all around it, sticker your wood. Stickering, by the way, for you guys who don't know, just means stacking your wood with little thin sticks of wood between each piece to allow air to get between everything. For big billets and stuff, you don't need to sticker that. So if you have just um, a big mahogany billet before you cut it up into smaller pieces, I don't sticker that. Um, you know, larger chunks before I resaw them. You don't necessarily have to sticker everything, just the thin, uh, thin stuff, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, ASAT11 writes, how do I sign up to be a gold member? I would like to sit in on some live classes. So he's a member of the uh, members discord and ASAT, I don't, have gold members yet so what he's referring to is there's a portion of the members discord in the top corner that says gold members only and you can see it says like uh you know 
there's a section for live streams and uh, and special topic videos and stuff like that. It's something that I was considering doing, and I've been testing that out to see if it would work. And uh, also throwing the feelers out there to see if there's interest in it. And apparently, at least there's a little bit of interest in it because you're asking about it. So I'm going to file that away, and maybe I will get the gold member thing going. But just so you know, ASAT, it doesn't exist at the moment. Um, the Discord forum is kind of new, and I'm still working stuff out. Uh, I'll let you know, though. I'm going to write your name down, and, and I'll, I will personally let you know if I do get that set up. Okay. But um, honestly, there's a chance that there just might not be enough interest in it. Uh, it will be a paid, it will be behind the paywall. And there might not be enough interest in what I'm doing there for people to um, to justify the expense to you guys. So I'll have to think on it for a little while. We'll see. All right. Well, I'm going to jump over. I know you guys have more in there in the Discord and I'll get it get to it in the next one but i'm going to jump over to the youtube comments and just do a little bit of that before signing off here all right riley info uh writing something about bridge plates he writes i like any good quarter sawn hardwood used for guitar building as a bridge plate it may be more expensive but the bridge and plate are what's primarily transferring sound into the top don't want to skimp there a good rosewood or paduk work really well and are strong. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And this was answering or responding to a question. Someone was saying that they didn't have skew cut maple for their plate. They're asking if they could use something else. And um, I said that the skew cut thing is not something to totally obsess over. You really can use, even flat sawn is, is fine to use, but Quarter sawn's okay, depending on how the, the grain is oriented. The issue with quarter sawn is that potentially, if the grain is perfectly in line with the holes, the uh, you can get splits across all of the holes at once. All this stuff, though, understand that, especially if you're building your first guitar, there's millions of guitars out there that have flat sawn bridge plates and quarter sawn bridge plates and do just fine. Um, ideal, we as luthiers always have sort of an ideal in our heads of what we want, but many, many guitars survive just fine without the optimum thing in there, if that makes sense. So we're essentially, we're just trying to avoid, uh, well, that's it. I don't want to confuse you with any more than that. That, <laughs> I think, is a sufficient response there. Moving right along, D-A-L-G Guitars writes, I could be wrong, but the tree is the only example of quilted mahogany, and it is stunning. I agree to this, that it is stunning, and uh, I think he might be right, actually. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, I think I may have heard that before, which is another reason why it is such a unique and rare thing. You know, there's... There's flamed mahogany, but what's so unique about the tree is that it's quilted. So it very, very much is its own thing. Thank you for your very clear videos and explanations on how to use the router rig to route the binding channel. I just did my first L5 body and it came out flawless thanks to you. I am tickled to death. Wow. Um, 
Body is spalted maple and binding will be cellulose tortoise shell. Oh, pretty cool. All right, I love spalted maple. This is cool looking. Eric, do you leave the transverse bar and fretboard graft unradiused and then glue these in place on a flat surface and not in a radius dish? Uh, lots of people do that. You can do that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just don't do it that way. Okay. Um, like I was mentioning, oh, I thought oh, I know what he's talking about. So in, in the previous Q&A, yeah, I had talked about the different ways that you can deal with the fact that the fretboard tongue has to come and meet up with the upper bout, right? And you have a radius on the top. And so there's a bit of a challenge there in the fact that we don't want to glue our fretboard tongue down to a radius or flat fretboard tongue down to a radius surface. Although honestly you kind of can because the radius is so subtle, which is another option there. But there's different ways that people deal with that. Some people like what he's talking about will make sure that the transverse bar and the fretboard graft are flat, which the graft is not a brace anyway. So you shouldn't be radiusing. You don't need to radius that regardless of what you're doing. But anyway, the transverse bar, yes, you can leave that flat, and some people do, in order to ease the top into a flat orientation as it approaches the fretboard tongue. I don't do that because uh, my, the radius on my top is pretty subtle anyway, and I like to just take a block plane after I've you know, perfectly radiused the top all the way around, meaning the kerfing and all the braces have the radius built into it. None of it is flat. And then I just gently flatten the top a little bit with a block plane and a sanding block. Um, it doesn't even need to be perfectly flat to accept the fretboard tongue. It just needs to be 90%, have 90% of the radius taken out. All right, back to uh, you know people responding to this um, question of the week that I'm doing about what I should do for the next build. The Pragmatic Luthier writes, suggestion, try a guitar with a soft maple back, rims and neck with a white pine or Douglas fir top. Okay. Um, okay, so his suggestion is basically like a domestic guitar, which is actually really cool. I would like uh, to do something like that. Especially lately, I've gotten into... Um, chainsaws. I watch all these videos on uh, chainsaws. There's a guy out, out there who's, who's really popular, Buckin' Billy Ray, and um, his videos are, are kind of entertaining. And uh, there's a number of other guys too, but um, I've got some woods in my backyard, not here at the shop. Well, there's a little, uh, a little bit of woods here at the shop, sort of. Not really woods, but trees. But at my house, there's a, a good amount of woods and just last year, I mean, we had like four or five trees come down in storms. And um, so I've used chainsaws in the past, but lately I've been really getting into just, I don't know, getting into it as as a uh, as another form of woodworking, really. What's nice is um, it's uh, you get to get outside, which I absolutely love doing. And um, you still feel like you're working wood because you're, you're literally you know, cutting trees apart. 
But yeah, I, I, actually, I have been considering for a little while, I've actually talked about it here before, been, been considering sourcing some material literally from the chainsaw. And um, I even bought a chainsaw mill so that I can cut up uh, some of my rounds that I already have of cherry and, and other things with the chainsaw and, uh, you know, start resawing from there. And, uh, of course, the biggest issue is I, I need a kiln to dry it. And um, actually, I do have access. It's not mine. I don't own it, but I, I, I do have access to a kiln. So that might be something that I could do. Okay, so far, all of your suggestions have been... I haven't laughed at any of these yet. They've all been something that I could do and might be interested in doing. Um, Sunnydale Pro writes, The tree was over 100 feet high and 10 feet in diameter. Wow. Yeah, 10 feet in diameter. Just think about it. 100 foot high isn't that... Well, maybe it is for a mahogany tree. I don't know how tall mahogany trees get, but lots of trees are 100 feet high. Not many trees are 10 feet in diameter. That is nuts. So, yeah, I, I'd imagine you can get a lot of wood out of that. <laughs> uh, it's still crazy to me how much, how many sets are out there from the tree, though. It still boggles the mind, but yeah, that's a big-ass tree. All right, I'm going to end on that. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm having a great time here in the middle of the workshop with these guys. Um, the dates for the spring workshops are out. Just had a guy sign up yesterday, actually. So they are starting to, people are starting to wake up and pay attention to them and uh, they're starting to fill up. So get them while they're there. Um, there are dates in throughout April and uh, a couple dates in May. So check it out at ericshaferguitars.com. All right, guys. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. If you learned something here, please give this video a like and subscribe so you can be notified when I release a new DIY guitar making video. And if you want to really learn more, take one of my structured online courses at ericshaferguitars.com or register for a hands-on guitar building workshop here with me in Burnville, Pennsylvania.